Hello, everybody, and welcome to Star Talk, a podcast presented by the Aniston Star. I'm Philip Tudor, a columnist here at the Star, and I'll be joined today by Mia Courtright, who covers crime and public safety here for the newspaper. Mia has been at the Star for several years now, and she routinely writes some of the most read stories on our newspaper's website, AnistonStar.com. Mia and I will talk about crime reporting during a pandemic, what a typical day is like for a crime reporter in Calhoun County, and what it's like being a woman journalist in a largely male-dominated profession in 2020. I think you'll enjoy our conversation. Here's our interview. Mia, welcome. I appreciate you agreeing to come on Star Talk today. Hi, thanks for inviting me. I'm curious, you know, this is the first time since we've been doing the podcasts that I've had a, a star newsroom journalist on. So why don't you uh, do us a favor and kind of tell me how long you've been at the Star and how you got into journalism? Um, I've been at the Star for about a year and a half. Um, I've been a reporter uh, professionally for about four years almost now. Okay. Um, I uh, started college sort of thinking that I was going to end up an English teacher. Okay. And uh, then I realized that I was not suited for children and um, <laughs> knew I liked to write. So I uh, switched gears on a, on a whim to um, the University of Montevallo's uh, mass communication program where you can do multimedia journalism and broadcast. Okay. And the rest is history. Well, good. And, and at the Star, you cover crime in courts and first responders and things like that for us, right? Yeah, pretty much. Do you um, do you enjoy doing that? That I'm assume I've never done that as a beat. Uh, I have to admit, um, I can't imagine what it's like. Real to be very honest with you, doing your job. Do you enjoy covering that beat at the store? For the most part, yeah. I'm I'm cautious about calling it fun because sometimes um, you know you catch people at some of the worst moments in their life um, and that's certainly not fun and and I feel like it would be disrespectful to those people to, to call sure. it sure that's fair um, that's fair but I uh, it's it's compelling work it's necessary work and I'm glad to be able to do it what is a typical day like for you on a on the crime beat I mean not taking the pandemic that we're in right now into consideration but just typically, what is a day like for a crime reporter in Calhoun County? Well, back in the good old days, before we were all working from home, I'd pretty much get up 8 or 9. I'd start my day by going towards through, um, I drive to the Aniston Police Department, pick up records, go through records. I take photos of all of those records. Um, okay. Why do you, why do you take photographs of them? Uh, because it's one of those things that, um, you know, even if it's a minor offense or even if it's a tiny thing, um, it might turn into a big story later. We've had stuff like that happen where we thought it wasn't that big a deal. And then it turns out there was an outbreak of, of reports like that that weren't that big of a deal, um, alone, but together they were. Oftentimes it can show a pattern, um, there, there are a whole lot of, of reports. I've, I've got thousands. Um, <laughs> you keep all those on your telephone? Well, I mean, I upload them to a folder, okay. um, and then I delete them because, uh, my phone can't handle all that. And, um, and you do that instead of getting 
photocopies from the different police departments? I can get photocopies. Some, I mean, I do show up to every police department um, almost every day. Okay. Just, um, just to say hi and, and just kind of be friends with everybody. Um, I've noticed that the police feel a lot more comfortable talking to you if they know you. Um, oh, absolutely. Well, that, that, that's a good that's a good place to to kind of meander in a different. Uh, direction in that, you know, with any beat as a journalist, it gets better. Uh, certainly, from my experience, when you know people after you're there a while, what was it like being a new reporter on the crime beat, where you don't know the police chiefs, you don't know the the different officers within the departments and the fire chief and the the, the folks at the courthouse that you deal with? How hard was it to get started and to, to make those connections as a journalist here? Before I started with the crime beat, I kind of had to do every beat at, at my old jobs. Okay. Um, but I always gravitated more towards crime. So I feel like it wasn't as hard as it would have been if I were brand new. But, you know, getting to know people is always, especially when you're in a new job, in a new place, It's it can be a little daunting. Um, I remember getting those records from some of those um, from the, some of those agencies uh, was was a little difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know at first some folks didn't always feel like printing out all these records, and, right? And that's fine. I get it. Um, or, but, so, or let me ask you this, um, Mia: Are some of our departments uh, easier to work with for journalists than others? I would. De- I'm not going to specify which departments, but I'd say some are a bit more uh, transparent than others. Okay, and I, I would, I would, I respect you for say, for answering that way. And I will. I don't mind saying that I think people who read the Star um, on any regularity could probably um, figure out or guess who we're talking about there. So that, that's. I appreciate you answering it that way. From a crime standpoint, I'd like to ask you about now that the pandemic is here as we unfortunately know, there are stories nationally about what seems to be spikes in gun crimes in larger cities. Chicago, New York, even Birmingham here in our state. You know, I'm not a criminologist. I don't you know, know why that's the case. But have you, in your work here recently, have you noticed spikes of certain types of crimes? Or have the, the officers that you've spoken with discussed anything like that? And does a pandemic have anything to do with it? Just kind of what's happening with our local crime. I spoke to a criminologist by the name of Megan Cahill, I think, about a month or two ago. I was doing a story about, like, what she thought was going to happen and um, what um, then kind of in the middle of the pandemic, what actually was happening. Mm -hmm. I don't see necessarily right now a spike in gun crimes to, to my knowledge, mm-hmm. um, she did predict a spike in domestic crimes like domestic violence, mm-hmm. child abuse, the homicides that can stem from those. I've seen, I mean, I haven't seen more homicides than normal. Well, then, and that's good. And let me ask you this, though. I mean, I'll, I'll stop you there. I believe in one of our meetings recently, you had talked about potentially doing a story 
on kind of midway through the calendar year and the number of homicides that we've had and, and the backgrounds on those. Can you tell me a little bit about that project? And, and you may not be far enough along in it to, to say much, but I'm, I'm kind of curious if you know how many homicides we've had around here thus far this calendar year. Let's see. We did that story about a week ago, a couple okay. of weeks ago. Then that's my fault. I should have read it. No, it's okay. It's one of those, you know how um, every year... We uh, we do these were all the homicides yes. of, um, of of twenty twenty or whatever. Right. Yeah, I decided last year to try to do one halfway through the year. Sure. So um, you know we could kind of show where our crime is slated to be. I know a lot of folks, especially considering Aniston keeps making these lists. Um, mm-hmm. It says that as of as of the article that came out on July third. Five people died in Calhoun County and one in Cleburne County as a result of homicide this year. Okay, okay. And that seems to be somewhat on track for recent years, at least from what I can remember. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and you, you and I had talked about this before before we called, um, was, again, it's a localization, if you will, of a national story. And I was really moved by it last week that, um, there was a story out of Washington, uh, D.C. about female employees of the NFL team in Washington reporting this just amazing number of of workplace sexual harassment incidents that they had endured over the years. And I used to work in the sports department of the Star years years ago, and I follow a lot of sports folks on Twitter. And when that story in the Washington Post came out. Um, it kind of opened the spigots, if you will, for a lot of the a lot of female journalists uh, in our country just started telling sto- their personal stories about uh, harassment that they had faced either in the workplace or on their beat with sources or in the public. And you know, it really got me to thinking. And you know, I, I'm obviously a, a guy. It's something that um, typically I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't face in my line of work. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about that. You're the only female, we have certainly lots of women who work for us, but you're the only female beat reporter that we have. Uh, and you cover a beat that's very difficult and is dominated by a lot of you know, police chiefs and police officers and so forth. Um, I'm curious what your take is on that. I mean, it's, 20, it's 2020 and... This is a profession, and you know, a highly educated profession, and this is still an issue, a clear, obvious issue. What I'm curious, what your take is on that? I mean, I uh, I haven't read as much about that specific incident mm-hmm. or those specific incidents as much as I should, but you know, every time I hear hear something like that happen, you know, I just kind of sigh, roll my eyes, and and. It's it's unfortunate, but it doesn't surprise me anymore. Do you? you know? Let me ask you this: You know, you again, you're around. You know, when you go out on the beat, and particularly pre-pandemic, when you could, you didn't have to worry about you know the, the virus. Uh, you're around lots of men, and, and and nothing against the police, but it's it's a it's a ve- it's a very male dominated, hyper testosterone type of situation sometimes, particularly at crime scenes and when there's lots of stress and so forth. And, um, you know, my, my son's a firefighter in another state, but it's his situation's kind of the same in that, you know, almost everyone that he works with 
are male. And so I'm just curious, is it, do you ever, when you're on your beat, do you, does it, does this ever come up? Do you ever worry about it? Have you faced situations where things have been said that, that you wish hadn't been said? I've actually can't recall a single incident with the police hmm. um, That's good. where any officers made me feel uncomfortable. That's good. Uh, it's it's happened. I've had it happen with lawyers, people on the street. Hmm. Uh, wow. You've had, law, you've had lawyers say something. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. And, and it's, it's one of those things, and I think what people don't get about, you know, sexual harassment on the job is that it really doesn't start out as, you know, a big thing. It's it's not always bl- as blatant. It's always, hmm. like, little things that, like, build up to bit big things, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. Um, do you think that, is it, I, I'm going to make an assumption, Mia. Again, I'm obviously a guy, so I'm, I'm coming at it from a, a standpoint of, um, of not being as knowledgeable about this as I should. I, mean, I admit that. But is it is this the, the fact that this exists? Is it something that would keep young women from going into the profession? Is it such that it's that it's a deterrent for young women to to go into journalism, knowing that they they're going to be in the public and they may face stuff like this? That's a really 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 hard thing to answer. Okay. Um, it's one of those things that. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be a journalist in general, you have to do this. But especially if you're a female journalist, especially if if you're a journalist of color, and especially um, if if you're part of the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. and are out right. uh, publicly, um, you know, you really really got to develop a thick skin. Hmm. Um, it's one of those things. When I was younger, when I was a newer reporter. Um, you know, male sources or, or people in the community would uh, do things or say little things, and I wouldn't necessarily feel as comfortable, you know, telling them to stop. Sure, um, sure. Now I'm 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 a bit more comfortable doing that, but if I were to if I were to sit here and you know call out every single lawyer man on the street who calls me pretty when I'm trying to work, it, it would sure. be exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I can, Im- I can imagine. And, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I have been with colleagues, female colleagues of mine, for 30 years, the whole time I've been in this business. And because I thought about this a little bit before you and I uh, called today, and I-, I can recall things being said to female colleagues of mine. It- it's kind of as you described it. it- it's nothing that was... Um, overtly offensive, but it was you know small things that might build up and that shouldn't have been said because it was inappropriate, you know one way or the other. And I'll tell you this, Mia. There are two stories I'd like to. I don't. I'm almost positive I've never told you. Um, when I used to work in sports for the newspaper, at one point we had a young woman who was covering Auburn football for us, and um, one of Auburn's former football coaches. There was a situation kind of like what you described. Said something inappropriate to her with some other uh, folks around. Um, And she was highly uncomfortable with it and highly offended. And we had, one of our editors had to call down to Auburn and talk to the the football, one of the football coaches about it and, you know, make sure that they were aware that 
you know, we, that was not going to fly. That was not good for us. Uh, and we, you know, certainly did not want that to happen again. And a somewhat, not totally similar story, but again, it was at Auburn. And Auburn was playing a team from Florida. It wasn't the University of Florida. It was somebody else. And back then, all the, the locker rooms were open. And now the reporters would go in and talk to the players when the game was over. And there was a young woman who worked at that point for the Auburn paper. And we all knew her. And there was a player for that team that did something extremely vulgar um, while he was getting dressed. And all these reporters are in there. And she was crazy offended by it. It, it, She should have been. Um, Very upset. And, you know, that may happen more, obviously, for sports journalists than news journalists. But... um, as I thought about this before we called, that I started to realize, to realize how many times I had seen stuff like that happen. Um, and I'm a guy, you know. It's never obviously it never happened to me in that regard, but um, I'm kind of shocked now that I sit and think about it. How many times I have witnessed that myself, and so I appreciate some of the stuff that you talked about. Let me let me kind of end this with something totally different and fun. Um, You've been at the Star now a while. You've covered some really interesting stories. I'm curious, what is the story that you considered the, your favorite thus far from your time working here in Anniston? Um, that's a hard one. What do you mean by favorite? Favorite, best. I'll, I'll let you define favorite. I know a lot of the stories. A lot of the stories you do are what we call in the you know cop briefs, if you know, which is kind of a. It's not necessarily a derogatory term, but you know, there's short stories about arrests and and so forth. But on some of the larger stories, do you have one that kind of stands out to you from your time here so far? My favorite one um, last fall. There was a group of high schoolers that decided to um, get together and make a fake grinder account, and basically, <laughs> uh, basically, they did they did their own to catch a predator YouTube. Thing. That's and, right. Uh, That's they right. would meet up with people in the Linlock Walmart who thought they were meeting up with underage boys for sex, and then basically bust them in the video games aisle or whatever. It was uh, it was pretty fascinating. How did you find out about that? Uh, they uploaded a couple of videos, and it kind of got circulated around Calhoun County. I was actually at a get together at. Um, someone's house the night when um ben texted me about it and i got home and i watched it and i was like whoa they ended up (laughs) allegedly busting a teacher i have to say allegedly or i'll get sued no i understand Um, i understand yeah but I, i do remember that story now it had crazy readership online it was i know our readers really you know kind of gravitated that story because it was so strange so the New York Times picked it up. They used Trent's photo, I think. Oh, wow. Trent Penny, yeah, one of our, our chief photographers. Yeah. yeah. So what's the story you want to do? If you were king of the world and you could you could pick any story to do around here, um, what what story would you want to do? Um, one thing that I've noticed, and this is just off of uh, statistics I've found from the uh, Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, um, only about... 33.4% of rape reports result in arrests. Hmm. Um, and that, you know... Wow. And, that, and that's specifically for Calhoun County or nationally? That's nationally. That's okay. nationally. Okay. 
Um, and uh, that's that even, you know, there, there are plenty of chances throughout the whole judicial process where that those charges could be dropped. Um, so, you know, this is just as bad of a crime as uh, in the state of Alabama as, as murder mm-hmm. or, you know, first degree armed robbery is. Right, right. Um, and and I'm, I'm curious, you know, what is it about these specific cases that, um, you know, just nationally make them so hard to, to arrest and prosecute? Do, and, uh, do, do you have a sense, Mia, if that statistic holds up here in Calhoun County or in Alabama? Uh, yeah, yeah, hmm. I do. So it's about the same? I, I don't know. I can't say for um, okay. okay, but I've heard countless stories of of women I know who have who have been in that situation where they've reported it, they did everything right, and nothing happens. Hmm. Oh wow! Well, that that sounds like a wonderful story. I hope uh, hope you get an opportunity to do that. That that is, I think that's something that certainly. If those statistics are accurate or hold up here in Calhoun County, that certainly is something we need to uh, we need to see if we can find out some reasons and maybe some offer some solutions to to improve that. So, Mia, hey, thank you for your time. I do appreciate this, and hopefully, I can have you on again sometime and talk about uh, some things that are maybe a little more more uh, good news once the pandemic's over and uh, we kind of get back to normal. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you for having me. Not a problem. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Star Talk, which is available wherever you normally get your podcasts, such as iTunes, Google Play, and other locations. I certainly want to thank Mia for letting me steal some of her time today and learn about her work here at the newspaper. I'd like to remind you to go back and check some of our other Star Talk podcasts that we've recorded this year with local newsmakers. We thank our subscribers, and if you'd like to subscribe, it's easy. Just go online to anistonstar.com slash subscribe. The Star can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Aniston Star. And Star Talk is on Facebook and Twitter at Star Talk Podcast. This is Philip Tudor of the Aniston Star. Thanks for listening.